Okay, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So uh, we read this week in the Perashah. We read this week in the Perashah where uh, we have Pashah Vayetzeh. And uh, Yaakov Avinu, he has his children. The rabbis tell us that 12 children were born in 84 months. 84 months, we know 84 is a Kabbalistic number. We say Peidalid always. Uh, like Pidyon, you get 84 fasts. So he says all of his, I mean, his 12 of his children were born in the 12 months. Which are the 12 children that were born? The 11, Shevatim, and Dina. And it says they were born, each of them was born after seven months. So you have every seven months, someone was born, they were pregnant all the time. Throughout the whole 84-month period, someone was born every... every uh, Every seven months. So he says, what happens is, When Yosef gives birth, when Rachel gives birth to Yosef, what happens? Yaakov turns to Lavan, he says, Send me now. I'm going to go to my own place, to my own country. So Yosef is born. Now he says it's time to go. The question is, why now is the time to go? Rashi brings that now he could face his brother Esav because the Navi Ovadia writes how the house of Jacob is like fire, the house of Yosef is a flame, and Yosef is like, and Esav is like straw. Now Yosef is there, you need the flame, not just the fire, you need the flame to burn the straw. Brings another opinion, says that Rivka sent her nurse Devorah to, to Yaakov to tell him it's time to come home. Midrash also says Yitzchak Avinu also sent two servants to him and said, 14 years, you have your children, it's time to come home. So one other opinion that Yaakov Avinu realized he was going to have one more son and he didn't want to have that other son in Haran. Because he didn't want Benjamin to be born in Haran. Because when all 12 Shevatim would be born, the Shekhinah would rest on them as the 12 Shevatim. He wanted that to take place in Eretz Israel. So he said, it's time, it's time to go. Interesting enough, the rabbis say that when he leaves eventually, he's concerned that his brother has the Zechut of Kivud Av Vayem, and he doesn't. Because he was away... For 36 years. The 14 years that he was away in yeshiva, there's no problem. But the 22 years since he didn't come back, when he should have come back after 14, he's punished, it says, whatever that means, punished. Midah kenegin midah. Because he doesn't see his son Yosef for 22 years because of that. Also, we talk about the ma'alah, the, 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 the greatness of Esav, his, his respecting parents. It was interesting how the Gemara brings that, that, the, uh, that, Rav, that Rav Shimon ben Gamliel said, All my lifetime I took care of my father, yet I did not do for him a hundredth part of the service Esav did for his father. We see that Rav Nechun had taught in the name of Rav Tanhum ben Yudan, who caused Yaakov's honor to be, held from this, to be withheld from this world? The great honor that Esav showed for his father. And the Gemara gives us many examples. We actually see in the beginning of this week's parashah 
that when when Yaakov goes out and he's attacked by Eliphaz, he tells Eliphaz, now it says Eliphaz is one of the Nevi'im of the Goyim. Eliphaz is at a very high level. And, he t- and Eliphaz, why is he at a high level? He grew up on the, on the, on the knees of Yitzchak Avinu. So he says to Eliphaz, you don't want to kill me. You shouldn't kill me. He says, what should you do? You should take everything from me because then it's as if you killed me. But why can't you just tell him, you don't have to listen to your father if your father tells you to kill me. That's against halakha. If you want to follow what Yitzchak would say, you can't do it. Because he knew the ma'ala of Esav is... Kivud av, respecting parents, whatever they say. So he had to allow Eliphaz to still respect his father and be able to not, uh, to not kill him. Now it's interesting, also we see that the Gemara brings many stories relating to the descendants of Esav, I mean uh, of, of Esav as, uh, with regard to respecting parents. We have uh, the we have Dama ben ben when he gives the when they come to get the stone from the rabbis to put in the in the uh, but he killed Yaakov in the in the top but in the end imagine no he killed him oh because he took all his money he made him a poor person that's why he fulfilled his father and he did the right thing so we have many stories with regard to to to, to them being uh, ones who do who do uh, respecting of parents now. The other part of that's interesting is we see that Benjamin is not born when they all bow down next week when they bow down to Esav. And it says that when Yaakov Avinu bowed down to Esav, it was a big problem in heaven. He bowed down seven times to Esav. So I was having dinner Friday night with, uh, with uh, Ricky Magder. And uh, Ricky, Ricky asked me a question. He says, in Sharia Gilgulim, I was talking about Sharia Gilgulim, from the Rabbeinu Ari, he says, what's the tikkun of Yaakov Avinu, that Yaakov bowed to Esav, what's the tikkun to help him to, to, who's the tikkun of Yaakov against Esav? And I forgot. Think of who you might be the tikkun, that Yaakov bowed, who didn't bow? Mordechai. Ah, Mordechai. How is Mordechai the tikkun? So when Haman, who's a descendant of Agag, who's a descendant of Amalek, who's a descendant of Yaakov, of, of, uh, of Esav, he tells everyone, bow to me. They come to Mordechai, Mordechai says, I refuse. He doesn't, why don't you bow? Why don't you, uh, they use two words for bow. Why don't you bow to him? He says, I don't bow. So they came to Mordechai and said, what do you mean? Your ancestor bowed to his ancestor. He says, what do you mean? He says, Yaakov is your great-great-grandfather. He bowed to Esav. You should bow to Haman. He says, no, I'm a descendant of Benjamin. Benjamin wasn't born. Therefore, Benjamin didn't bow. And it says that in some way he's a Gilgul of Yaakov in order to be Metaken, his bowing to, to his brother. And Haman is a Gilgul in a way of Esav in order for him not to bow to him to go further. Then I saw something very interesting. We see that the daughter of, the daughter of Haman, what does she do? When, when Haman is taking Mordechai on the horse, she thinks that Mordechai is pulling the horse and her father's on the horse. 
So what does she take? She takes the the, cha- the chamber pot from upstairs and she pours it down and it lands on her father. What does she do after that? She throws herself off the roof to kill herself. And the question is why? So she did something wrong. She could apologize that she did something wrong. But you have to realize the mindset of the people of Esav. Kivud Av is so high, she ruined it in this world. And there is no Olam Haba for, for them. So you only, go to, you only go to the next world. Just to end one other thing, I just want to bring one other thing that I saw. I, I heard it from, uh, from, uh, from Rabbi Eli Mansour. And he brought it. He brings, he brings a Gemara. And the Gemara talks about the great, uh, the great male, the great uh, thing of respecting, of respecting a parent. And uh, he, he brings that, basically, if you look in the Gemara, the Gemara talks about a certain person, Rabbi Abahu's son, who respected him so much, that what happened? He respected him so much that, that he, uh, he respected him so much that when his father would come to visit, he would run to the door, and he would yell the whole way that I'm coming to open the door, I'm coming to open the door. Even though he had five sons who lived in the house with him, who all had smicha, he had smicha, they were all could have just said, send the housekeeper to open the door. No, he would yell to his father. It says one time, his father was sitting on the chair, he wanted a glass of water. So he wanted a glass of water, he went to get his father a glass of water. He got back to his father, what happened? His father fell asleep. So what did he do? His name is Abimi. Instead of what will we do? I put the glass down. Daddy wakes up. He'll pick up the glass. He'll drink it. He stood there, leaned over the whole time, waiting for his father to get up in order to give him the, in order to give him the cup. What happens? It says there that because of this, he had a zechut that he was able to understand a certain tehilim. Mizmor le'asaf. The question is, which mizmor le'asaf? says, which Mizmor La'asaf? So according to Rashi and Tosvot, it says over there, it's Mizmor La'asaf, it's number 79. If you see Mizmor La'asaf, it says, it says, Hashem destroyed the temple. So the question is, why Mizmor if Hashem destroyed the temple? It says Mizmor because Hashem destroyed the temple. Because we know that Hashem took out His wrath on, on bricks. That's what Rashi says. Tosvot adds, no, you know why? Because he's saying it, Mizmor La'asaf, who's Asaf? Asaf is a descendant, maybe the grandchild of, of Korach. And he says, what happens when the temple went, the temple sunk into the ground, the walls, eventually the walls are going to come up. So when the walls are going to come up, when Hashem is taking the walls, he brings a, he brings a, a story. He says there was a servant girl. She was getting water from the well. She dropped her, her, uh, her cup, her pitcher into the well. And she's worried, no one's going to get my clay pitcher. A few minutes later, the princess comes, she drops a gold pitcher in the well. She starts to laugh, the, the, the servant girl. The princess says, why are you laughing? I lost my pitcher. She says, for the gold pitcher, they're going to go in the well and get it. And when they get your pitcher, they're also going to get mine. That's why I'm happy. Otherwise, I would have never got it. So Ms. Morla Asaf, he's singing because Korach's in the ground. But when the walls come up from the ground... Also, he says, Korach's going to come to the ground. It's interesting that another rabbi later on, he says, no, he says, let me, let me suggest a different answer. He says that, that a person should know that it's, it's, it's number 79. What's in number 79? 
It says, Achar HaKavod, after the, after the Kavod, Hashem's going to take us back. What do you mean Hashem's going to take us back after the Kavod? He says that this is all about, he was, he was respecting his father, uh, Avimi, when he went to his father with the water. He says he realized that after the Kavod, after the Kavod of what? After the Kavod of, Yishma'el, of, of Esav runs out, that's when Hashem takes it back. How do you get the kavod to come? How do you get the kavod to overcome the kavod? You have to overcome the kavod of Esav to his father. When when Yitzchak calls his son to come to him last week, he tells him, "Go and get me food to eat, and then I'm going to bless you." Now it says also that Rivka gave the jacket to Yaakov. What do you mean? It's Esav's jacket. This is the jacket he took from Nimrod. This is the jacket Nimrod got from Ham. This is the jacket Ham got from Noah. This is the jacket Noah got from Shet. This is the jacket he got from Adam Harishon that Hashem made. And this jacket's a ma- magical jacket that all the animals come to you. It's easy to be a hunter. If he's going to go hunting for his father, Esav, why wouldn't he take this jacket? So it says, he wears the clothes of his father. But he didn't have him at all because she gave him to Yaakov. So what happened? Why didn't he have the clothes? So one opinion is she hid them. She hid them because she wanted a second opinion is that he, Hashem made it. Me'et Hashem. This is from Hashem. He made him forget. The third opinion is his father tells him when to go hunting. He tells him, take your bow, take your sword, take your this. What do you need to tell Esav how to go hunting? Yitzchak is sitting in a tent all day. He's going to give hunting lessons to Esav. No, he's saying, don't do it with the jacket. Make the effort to do it. Risk your life to do it. Because for Esav, what's everything in this world? It's olam hazeh. I'm going to kill my brother when my father dies. What, that's not respect. Yeah, because my father's only olam hazeh. There's only olam hazeh to Esav. So I'm going to risk myself to go hunting for my father. It should be a big ma'ala that I should deserve the blessing. When Rivka hears this, she says, I have to be able to get Yaakov... At a higher level, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell Yaakov to risk his olam haba. How? I'm going to tell him to go into his father and risk getting cursed because he's listening to his mother. He's going to do kivud avaim at a higher level than Esav in order to counterbalance Esav because I'm telling him to do it even though he's risking for him olam haba. And therefore, he's able to, in a way, counterbalance the, the zechut of Esav. That's equating kivud em. Kivud em is this, they, they're both, it says, they both were kivud em. We don't see Esav kivud em, but for sure he was kivud em because the rabbis all say he was kivud em. He also respected his mother. His mother just knew who he was. One's not greater than the other, that's my point. Kivud em because we say, fear your mother before your father. To respect your father before your mother because naturally we would respect our mother before our father and we would fear our father before our mother. So the Torah reverses it because it gives you the more difficult one to do. In a way, everyone has to respect the father, but still there's the, the in this case, he's risking everything for the mitzvah of kivud abayim on the highest level. So he says, so how do we overcome the kivud av of of Esav, how do we do it? We have to have Kivud Avaim, which according to Rafaim Palaji, is how do you make this month of Kislev a lucky month? How do you make it a month of miracles? 
One of the three things that he says for the month of Kislev is respecting a parent. When they're alive, you have to do everything that you can for them to the level of beyond what's normal. To the level of beyond what you would ever want to do. Now, what about when a person passes away? There's a two-way street. We have to do for our parents in order to make them rise and rise. What do we have to do? Every time we sit, you sit for learning for a class for 20 minutes, what happens? Your parent is in the elevator going up. Every time you do mitzvah, they're going up, they're going up, they're going up. And what happens? Everything that we have comes from zechut avot. We can't ever say anything comes from us. It's always from zechut avot. So it's a two-way street. When we do the mitzvot, what are we doing? We're giving aliyah neshama to our parent, grandparent. They're going higher and higher. Great-grandparents. You don't even have to say le'ilui nishmat. It's automatic. Whatever you do is going for your parent, grandparent, great-grandparent. What are they doing? Their zechut is doing what? Is bringing you blessing. So they bring you blessing. You do mitzvot in order to raise them up. It's a two-way street. As long as we do that, we then can overcome Esav. A couple of notes to add because I did the class without notes in front of me. The uh, Gemara is Kiddushin 31b, where Rabbi Abahu says about his son, Avimi. That's the story. And there we see the Rashi and the Tosfot, anyone who wants to look. The Mizmor, like we said, the Mizmor that Tosfot and Rashi refer to is Mizmor Le'asaf, Elohim Ba'u Goyim Benachalatecha, Timeu Et Hechal Kochecha, Samu Et Yerushalayim Le'yim. And the question we, we asked there was, why, uh, if it's a... Uh, if it's a sad thing, do we use the word mizmor and not uh, lamentation, not lamnatseach? And we brought the answers of why. And the other mizmor that we went back to, that was based on the Pinei Yehoshua. That's Rabbi Yehoshua Falk. And Rabbi Yehoshua Falk, he is the one who says, with all due respect to Rashi and Tosfot, where they bring it as Tehilim 79, he's the one who suggests that it's Tehilim 73, which begins Mizmor Asaf. Again, we have obviously Asaf because the Gemara says he understood the Mizmor of Asaf. Achtov Yisrael Elohim Lebare Levav. And that, that Tehilim really speaks a lot about why bad things happen to good people, why good things seem to happen to bad people. And that really also goes through the relationship with Esav. Why is Esav so blessed? Why is Yaakov apparently not blessed so much in the world he says in the end we're going to know the answer but let me look into the Torah to see what an answer is and then he brings this this uh, this verse which is verse 24 towards the end tanhani. you guided me by your counsel so basically he's saying I'm looking in the Torah you're going to give me the answer what's the answer ve'achar kavod tikacheni after the kavod of Esav ends, tichacheni, you will take me. So that was what I was bringing up. And in case anyone wants to look anything up, have a great day, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving.